expecting people to come through for you. Let your heart be set on God and God alone. And however he chooses to deliver is up to him. So yeah, though I walk through, and you know what I love about this passage? He said, thou art with me. You are with me. There are people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. They don't have a close relationship with God. They don't have the Spirit of God in them. And can I tell you, they go through valleys. Can I tell you, they go through different times in their life. What sets us apart from them is that they are not experiencing Jesus through the valley of the shadow of death. Experiencing and encountering him in the valley of the shadow of death is what makes the difference. Turning to him in the valley of the shadow of death, as we will be looking tonight, there are great benefits from it. So I want us to look first and foremost, can we go to Job chapter 13? I want to start with Job tonight. And I want to pick this one verse. I, I'm sensing some case studies tonight. And I want to look at some statements. I want to pick some statements that were made by different people who were going through the valley of the shadow of death. And we want to see what the Lord will be saying to us. So let's look at Job 13, verse 15. And we know Job very well. Uh, you know that? Let's go to NLT. God might kill me, but I have no other hope. I am going to argue my case with him. Again, I, I, I'm just going to paraphrase on the King James. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job in the midst, you know, Satan wanted to test him and try him and all of that. And I said, gosh, in one day, the amount of trouble that came his way, it was nothing easy for anybody to face. But yet, and I want you to realize where he is. And I want us to grasp the weight of what he's saying. Though you slay me, yet will I trust in him. God may kill me. God may not actually remove me from this situation. God may not deliver me from what I'm going through. God may not come through when or how I want him to come through. But I'm going to trust him. You see, when God is challenging and stretching your faith, he's going to move you from believing in just what he can do to believe who he is. Does that make sense? Am I communicating with you? It's one thing to believe that God can do something. But it's another thing to believe who God is 
even when things aren't moving and working when and how we expect it to. I like this statement. Can you just switch to King James and read that for us, please? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will remain, sorry, but I will maintain mine always before him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. Though he slay me. You know, sometimes some verses come and it's so deep, it's so heavy that you just need to meditate on it. You just need to think on it. It could seem sometimes like God's against you. It could feel sometimes like God is not there. And it feels sometimes like you're dying. But I want to say tonight, whatever you're facing and whatever challenge you're going through, whatever you are walking through, it could be uh, financial issues, sickness, it could be uh, people around you who are very negative towards you. It, it, I don't know what you're facing, but I want to tell you tonight and I want to encourage you, do not lose hope in God and do not lose faith in Christ and though it may seem like he's breaking you and though it may seem like he's slaying you, I do not want you to turn your back on him. Trust in him. Ask him to give you the grace to trust in him no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. We saw the end with Job. You see, for us it's easy to read his life. We have it in 40 chapters more or less. And we can read it. And we know the outcome. But his story is already written. God is still writing our story. But we must trust that God will see you through. And I love that his end was better than his beginning. And no matter how old or how young you are, at different points in our lives, we face challenges. And it could seem sometimes like you're in a pit. It could seem sometimes like you're in a low. Quite frankly, sometimes it seems like you make no sense. And whereas it not, might not make sense, it makes faith. And when God brings you through, you're going to be able to encourage other people. I want to run quickly to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. And I want to go from uh, verse 10. Thank you, James. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, Death worketh in us, but life in you. Okay, let's pause there. I want you to capture that. 
Death is working in us, but life is working in you. The things that you go through, the challenges, if you rightly grasp them with God, though you may be dying, it seems like you're experiencing some level of suffering and pain. Can I tell you, when God brings you through, it will be life in other people. As we follow Jesus, do you know his wounds, the Bible said, by his stripes, we are healed. And whatever wound that you may be going through, whatever stripes that you are bearing, I'm going to tell you, God is going to put people in your path. God is going to place people alongside you. And you can share your story with them. You can show them your wounds. And when you show them your wounds and how God brought you through, and I tell you, you experience suffering and death, but it's going to be life and encouragement for them. And can I tell you, that's actually walking with Jesus. That's actually practically following Jesus. The same way we find healing in his stripes, as you follow him and he takes you through, people are going to find healing in the stripes that you are bearing. But I don't want you to lose heart. Death working in us. But life is working in me. I want to run quickly from here because I don't intend to take too much time tonight. I want to move over to uh, the book of Jeremiah very quickly. Jeremiah chapter 3. Uh, let's go from verse 20 to about 24. See right in this King James because it's very yeah. Surely as a wife treacherously departed from her husband. I'm sorry. I, I gave you a wrong reference. It's Lamentations 3. Jeremiah wrote Lamentations something in Jeremiah. My soul mm -hmm. had them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, said my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. I want you to understand what this man was going through. For time, we can't read it. But when you have time, start from verse 1. This was a man, they actually called him the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. This is one of the prophets that I think went through the hardest time in bringing God's word to his people. He went, they threw him in a pit. They did so many things to him. And at one point, when I would study his life, Jeremiah actually told God, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm not going to speak anymore on your behalf because this is too hard. And people would always be criticizing him. They, they plot to take his life. And he, he was saying other things to God, like, you know, you're like a, a bear who wants to take my life. And he was kind of raising a complaint to God. And he was in deep distress. He was going through several things. And then he says these lines. 
great is thy faithfulness. Your mercies are renewed. Your compassions don't fail. You are my portion. To say that God is your portion is to say God is your everything in life. And I'm looking at this man and I'm saying, wow. You are going through all this persecution. All these people who are speaking evil of you. All these people who are plotting behind your back. You actually are doing the right thing. You are in the will of God. You are standing for God. You are a righteous man. You are a holy man. You are a good, upright man. And yet you're going through suffering. This does not make any type of sense to me. I want to say that being in the will of God, you could be in the dead center will of God. It does not exempt us from storms and struggles. In one of the Gospels, I think it's Mark chapter 6, Jesus commanded the disciples, he said, get in the boat, go across the lake. And he went to pray. And the Bible says, when it was evening, he came down and he saw them straining at the paddle because the wind was contrary to them. And from the evening, which is like 6 p.m., he stood there and observed them. And the Bible said at the fourth watch of the night, the fourth watch of the night is between 3 and 6 a.m. So that's like 12 hours. He just stood and watched the disciples straining and struggling. And I'm thinking, there's nothing in Jesus to want to pick on us. So what was the purpose of this wait? And I realized several things came to me. Number one, God gave them a commandment. And they were obedient to that commandment. But in the middle of their obedience, they encountered a storm. And they were struggling. And I'm thinking, why would Jesus wait 12 hours to go and calm the storm? You know one of the hardest things about going through challenges is waiting on God. The hardest thing for us is to wait. You know, several times I try to work it out on my own. And I think I need to fix it. And while trying to fix it, God works it out. And I said, Jesus, I just waited and kept my peace. Waiting is very hard. It's easier said than done. Waiting on God to open the door. Waiting on God to act. Several times we try to fix it ourselves and we end up worse off than before. And the disciples, they were obedient. They were in the middle of the will of God and they encountered a storm. I want to tell you that obstacles and obstacles and oppositions are just an opportunity for God to be glorified in your life. The obstacles and the oppositions that you face are just an opportunity for God to be glorified. It's just an opportunity for God to draw you closer to Him. Can I tell you the trials and the temptations that you're facing today? God will make them a trophy tomorrow for you if you hold on to his hands. The trials and the testimonies you're going through, God will make them into a trophy tomorrow for you if you just hold fast to him. Wait on God. Waiting is not easy. The Jeremiah in the middle of suffering declares that God is faithful. God is good. God is kind. You see, 
you cannot gauge God's goodness and you can't gauge God's kindness by what you're going through, even if things are going well. You cannot test his love for you because everything is going right. There are people that do not trust in God and I'm telling you their life is going kind of good as far as the world is concerned. As far as physical things are concerned, their life is great. So we can't test if God loves you and I. We can't measure it by our circumstance. We need to measure it by His Word. We need to measure it by pressing into Him, by His presence in your life, by His voice in your life. Are you experiencing the presence of God in your life? I feel I need to ask that tonight. Are you experiencing His presence? And if not, what are we willing to do to get into His presence? You see, God's presence, His Spirit, makes a difference in our life. You can have everything else. If you don't have Him, you have nothing. Jeremiah in the middle of it, man, is declaring that God, you know, this is a prayer for me. And no matter what I'm facing. And you see, what I like about this man that we're studying right now, he was real about what he was feeling. Actually, uh, Sister Jason and I were talking yesterday, and something she said stuck out to me. It's not a bad thing to acknowledge what you're feeling. It's not wrong. But you need to give those back to God and let Him sort it out. Jeremiah was in pain and turmoil, and actually, he was expressing all of that. But God reminded him, and he was reminded how good God is. You, you, you see, if you've not experienced his goodness at one point, then you can't remember it. Does that make sense? Have you encountered Jesus? Have you encountered the goodness of God? There's some questions that I sense the Holy Spirit will help me to ask you tonight. Now, I want to run quickly from Jeremiah to one other brother and we see how the Lord continues to lead us tonight. Can we go to Genesis chapter 15? And I just want to take verse, let's take verse 20, 21, and 22, I think, should be captured. For the past four years, I think, God has been, I have been studying this brother's life. And I'm telling you, the more I read about Joseph, the more things I see. This is Joseph, you know, the guy with the coat of many colors. And he went through several things. You know, first and foremost, his brothers hated him. They hated him because God had his hand on him. God would give him dreams. And they really hated him because he was his dad's favorite. And they didn't like him very much. They wanted to kill him. So they sold him into slavery. They threw him in a pit and they sold him. Now he went into this man's house in Egypt. He's far from home, far from family, in Potiphar's house, doing very well, by the way. And then Potiphar's wife, you know, looks at him and, you know, yes, yes, let's get together, girl. Yes, yes. Wants to take the young man. And he refused her. He stood his ground for God. And you know, in standing for God, he actually got put into prison. Two years in prison. And he interpreted these dreams. 
And I could remember when one of the guys was going to be restored, he said, hey, don't forget that I'm here. You know, work things out for me. Get me out of here. You know, it took 13 years, 13 years for God to fashion Joseph before he actually made him prime minister. And you know what I realized about this? God had to make this man nothing before he could make him something. Many people today who want to be ministers for God, many people today who want God to use them, they want to be something overnight. And this is a struggle with my generation. My generation, we're living in a microwave type of generation. You know why I say that? You can buy a dinner, a frozen dinner, and put it for five minutes into the microwave, and you can eat it. But it takes about 45 minutes to an hour to really cook a nice homemade meal. Are you hearing me? We want things to happen very quickly for us. We want things to happen overnight. But can I tell you, God does not raise up overnight success. They want to rise to the top very quickly. They want people to know their names. They want people to see them. But they don't want to go through the process of becoming a blessing. And can I tell you, that's God's method. They want to be something, but they have not become nothing yet in the hands of God. For God to do something effective with you, for God to do something indefinable with you in this time, for God to make an eternal impact in the world through you, can I tell you, God needs to make you nothing before he can make you something. God needs to empty you of yourself before he can do something great with you. And it's a message that many people don't want to preach. And it's a message that many people don't want to hear. And so you have all these people who want to rise up and start ministries, but God has not yet made them. They want to be overnight celebrities and success. And I tell you, settle down at the feet of Jesus and learn. Settle down and let God mold you and fashion you first. And I'm not saying you have to be this complete perfect person before God starts using you. But can I tell you, God will give you responsibility bit by bit. You want to be some big shot, but you can't even be faithful in a Bible study. You can't even be faithful with small little things that God has given to you, but you want to be big shot. That's not how God works. And so, several times in God's mercy, He has to bring people low. And it's something I'm learning. Let God break you. Let God make you nothing first. Do you see the end of Joseph's life? He was a, listen, if you would really realize what happened with him. This man was the most, he was the second most powerful man in the world. Egypt was the world power. Egypt would have been like the states today or something. And this man was the second most powerful man. If you would hold on to God and endure with him, God will take you through and take you to the top church. But you must learn to wait. God, listen, he became, they stripped him, they put him in a pit, he became a slave and a prisoner before he became a governor. But while in the eyes of the world he seemed to become nothing, in that appearance of nothingness, the you know, God was forming his mind. And God was making him to become a blessing to the nation. And I know it was no easy thing for Joseph. I'm sure he had many tears, many crying, many questions. God, where are you? 
God, what happened to the promise on my life that you showed me? What happened to the vision you gave me? You know, several times, church, the path does not look anything like the promise which God promised to you. But you have to hold on to Him. Hold on to Him. Let's read Genesis 50, 20, 21, and 22. But as for you, you taught evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Wow. To bring it, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Wow. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived a hundred and ten years. And Joseph served Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought unto were brought up upon Joseph's Joseph's knee. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You know, do you know who he was speaking to, right? The same men who hated him, and the same men who took his coat of many colors, and the same family members who threw him in a pit and sold him off. We find this man saying to them, guys, calm down, calm down. Don't worry. You know, you had evil intentions against me, but God meant it for good. Do you know? Even evil intentions have its place in the purpose of God. Whatever the enemy or people are trying to do to break you, if you would maintain your integrity before God, can I tell you God can even take that and use that to bring glory to His name? But several times we get bitter to people around us. Or we get bitter at God. Or we get bitter at circumstances. Like I tell you, that's something that I fight and I had to fight a lot in my life. Because I could not understand why I was going through certain things or why people did this to me. But whenever I read the life of Joseph, I know God has a higher purpose. And I know God is working. And I have seen Him work. Even through when people want to do things for bad. And I mean it for bad. Can I tell you, God is sovereign above it, church. God is above it. But if you would trust in Him and hold on to Him. And He's, he's talking to His brothers and He's saying, Hey, you know, you guys, you know what you did? You guys had bad intentions. But you know, God is actually working. God used your evil schemes to push his plan and purpose in motion. You thought you got rid of me. That's what you wanted to do. But God was sending me ahead. And this man, God had to have been talking to Joseph for him to get such a revelation. You know what that tells me? Through all the hurt and the pain, he was turning to God. Through all the struggles and trials, he kept turning to God. Even if he had to question God, he turned to God. And God began to reach through to him and show him the bigger picture. Do you know that the picture is bigger than you and I, but we have a great and small part to play in God's big picture. It's not about you and I. It's bigger than you and I. 
It's about Jesus Christ, amen? He's bigger than us. And I like that the Bible says he spoke kindly to them. You know, he was not bitter towards them. That proves to me that his heart was free from all types of resentment. His heart was free from all types of malice. You know why? God opened his eyes to see the bigger picture. I pray that God would open her eyes to see the bigger picture tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. That whatever you're facing, that God would allow you to see from his standpoint, from his eyes, what you're facing, so you can see and get a glimpse of the bigger picture. This was a man who went through and now he was already through the valley of the shadow of death. And he came through with some blessing. He came through with some wealth. And not just worldly wealth. He came through with spiritual wealth. Don't, don't let go so quickly. When you, you see, just because you can't understand something doesn't mean it's not there, it's not real. And just because you can't explain it or you don't have the answers, that does not mean you should give up. Just wait on God. It could be people so close to you that will hurt you the most, you know. The ones that are, they could be one that really pierce and break you. But just turn to God. Turn to God. A prayer of mine is like Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. You want to know true love? You look at Jesus on the cross. This man came down, gave his life. All he did was love and teach people. And here he is, stretched out on the cross. They're mocking him. They're insulting him. And the Bible says, do I insulted him? He did not insult back. Do they reviled him? He did not threaten them, but he kept entrusting himself to his father. Actually, he was in the middle of his suffering and death, he was still ministering and saving lives. Look at the thief on the cross. He saved that man. And he's interceding for people who are actually against him. You want to see a true definition of love, you look at the cross. That type of love is beyond emotions. That type of love is beyond feeling. That type of love is the true love of God. That even people are against you, you will still be pressing and praying for them. No wonder Jesus said, pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. But you see, you can't do that in your own strength. You can't do that in your flesh and blood. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And so people think that the power of God is in signs and wonders alone. And people think that the power of God is in loud preaching and great singing. Uh -uh. The power of God is located in the power of Christ in you. Christ is the power of God. That's, that's a biblical verse in Revelation 12. The power of Christ. That when someone threatens you, you can smile and love them back. You know, that's the power of God. That's the true power of God at work. You may have kids, I'm not in that, my wife and I, we're not in that season yet, but we talk a lot about raising kids, and even we, we see uh, people who are raising teenagers, and, and the challenges they have raising teenagers. 
and I'm taking uh, white kids, but I like to fast forward through that part. You know, I like how they put me in and fast forward to when they're on their own. <laughs> Skip through 12 to 24 is fast forward through that chapter because that looks hard. That looks heartbreaking. But God spoke to me and said, you know, you're only fearful because you're trying to protect yourself. You're afraid to go through the hardship of it. But if you would go through it with me, I'll be with you and I'll teach you several things. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And I'm realizing, man, I see moms, especially mothers, like, especially if they have a boy, and the boy is their last boy, like, no matter what I'm going to do, I'm now a lover. I had today. You know, my, my, my dad, uh, he's a retired officer, uh, and there was a time when I, I, I'm thinking about money. And I, I wanted to come to fight and I think I think. Uh, he wasn't living with us anymore. And I remember uh, he had a, he, you know, he was a, a deputy commissioner and all of that. And I remember he called me. Someone called me, why are you so the fight out there? He called me the next day. He's going off on the phone and he says, You know what? They'll lock you up. I'll get you out. And I'll get you out. I'll go in there and I'll beat you up and I'll go to jail. And he was serious. Anybody who knows my dad, you know, like the books. But I could have a semi map on the other side like, Oh, you could go get the boy out. I think we're going to walk to prison. And moms, man, they go in. And no matter how children could turn and rebel against their parents, I, I see parents still like love their back. If parents could do that, how much more God? How much more God? How much more is God asking of us to be and to demonstrate that kind of love for people? So Joseph went through all this valley and shadow of death. God brought him through. Can I tell you when God brings you through? He's not only going to bring you through, but there are several other people that he will raise up with you. There are some people who God will bring to life out of dead situations because he brought you through. And when you share your testimony, when you pray for them, when you encourage them, when they see you, a, a, a type of hope will arise in their heart that they will get up and say, yes, the God that you serve is alive and he can help me too. See, Joseph's salvation and Joseph's bringing through wasn't only to himself. It was for God's purpose and to move his plan forward. Whatever God is taking you through, again, I want to stress it's clearer than you and I. I want to run to Isaiah 45, chapter 3, as we wind up for tonight and we begin to pray. 45, 3, Isaiah. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, will call thee by the name, by thy name, am the God of Israel. I will give you treasures of darkness and hidden riches. Is that one say hidden riches? And hidden riches of secret places. Treasures of darkness. You see. Going through the valley of the shadow of death, if, and by the grace of God, 
he holds it in fluid, you're going to come out a very wealthy person. And I'm not speaking to where the wealth that could come to, but I'm speaking to a wealth in your soul. I'm speaking that you will come through with a wealth of wisdom. God will bring you through with a wealth of understanding. He will bring you through with a wealth of insight. You're going to grow if you go through the valley of the shadow of death the right way. And the right way is holding on to God. Um, some know, and some of you, most of you know, because we know we're close. Since the Lord brought me to you and we've been walking together, you know I've been struggling with my eye condition. And four years ago, uh, well, I found out in 2012, uh, I have this condition where it's, my sight is going away. And humanly, there's no cure for it. Divinely, there is, and that's up to God. And at the time when I found out, uh, I could still see very well through my left eye. And about three years after that, um, it was the first time that I experienced what we call a regression. It began to go down, it began to deteriorate to the point that I couldn't read anymore, I couldn't drive. There were several things I couldn't do anymore. And that was 2015. And I could remember, uh, have not met, I didn't meet my wife yet, and I could remember the struggles and the challenges that I had then. But I remember how God brought me through. Fast forward to 2019, uh, a couple months ago, and I, I shared this story with some of you uh, as we were talking one and one. I think the end of August, uh, you know, I still strive to do what I need to do. And so I went out to do some errands and to pay some bills, and I had a really hard fall. Like, like I had a hard fall. I think it was the hardest one I ever had. I fell down by the roundabout by the Atlantic Bank because the sidewalks, uh, you know, sometimes the storm drains or a brick uh, part of the socket removed, and there's this, like, a two foot hole. I fell into one of those things, and I fell straight down on my face. The only reason I didn't get hurt in my face is because I had an umbrella. But you know, I busted my shin, I hurt my leg, and it, it was really hard. And that thing brought me down for a couple of days because normally I would see something like that, but I didn't see. And since then, I've been bumping into things more often and spilling stuff. It was really hard. And I was, you know, I was really getting frustrated. And um I felt really, really low, honestly speaking. And I began to reach out to different people and we were praying and all of that. But I think one of the things God spoke to me and showed me, I realized when I could see very well, and I'm sure this with Sister Jenna and different people, when my physical eyes were very well, I could do many things, had a lot of stuff, but my life was miserable because I never had God. And now that my sight is leaving, but the eyes of my heart are open and I have God, I, I see that my life is very beautiful, even though there's still challenges and hardship. 
I got to speak to some students, and they were asking me several questions, and I realized in every question they had about what I was going through, God taught me something I could share with them. And so though I experienced some type of physical, some type of dying and suffering, I gained a lot of spiritual wealth through it. And I could see where people are encouraged most times and life goes to them. So I said to tell you that God has a purpose for the difficult things in your life. Even when you can't understand it. Even when it don't make sense, trust God. The thing I want the most through what I'm going through is just to have this present. When God's presence comes, everything else is everything else is just okay. So no matter what you're going through, what you're facing. Uh, you know, we found out there's a treatment that I can do to slow it down, but they sent a quotation and none of us saw that quotation coming. So we need, but we're trusting the Lord and the Lord is already providing for us. So God is good, church. God is good. I pray that God will help you that no matter what you're going through, you could see His goodness. And you will experience His goodness in the name of Jesus. Let's pray together. Our heads with me as we pray to close out. Father, we thank you tonight. God, your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are your ways above. And I thank you that. You allow us, we can cry, we can pour out our hearts to you, we can tell you what we're going through, what we're feeling. But I thank you that you're also there to tell us and teach us many things. I lift everyone in this room, I lift me, I lift us to you, and I ask you that, Lord God, you would meet us in the valley of the shadow of death. We may not be in that season, it may come, but I pray that you would meet us there. I pray that we would find the grace to turn to you, I pray that we would find grace to hope in you. I pray that we would find grace to hold on to you. I pray that we would find grace to hold on in the faith of Jesus Christ. Comfort our hearts. Encourage us tonight as we go through. I love the song it says, Even if you don't come through, my hope will be in you alone. God, I pray that that will be the reality of our hearts to you. That even when mountains aren't moved and doors aren't open, that God will trust in you. Help us please to do that tonight in the name of Jesus. Like Jeremiah, like Job, like Joseph, who will hold on to you through the difficult times. Trusting and knowing that the night won't last forever. The valley of the shadow of death is only for a season. And thank you that when you bring us through, we're going to come through stronger. We're going to come through more like Jesus. We're going to come through with a testimony to bring you glory. We thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.